You've seen those movies where they say, make my day, or I'm your worst nightmare. Well, listen to this one. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Ha! You didn't know I'm gonna say that, did you? Your move, creep. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Film Feast podcast. I am your host, Matt Bledsoe, and this week we are talking about Ridley Scott's 1985 fantasy film, Legend. And to help me talk about it, I'm joined by a returning guest. And if you somehow have not heard her on this show, you've probably heard her as a guest on podcasts like Cobwebs, uh, Schlock and All, and most recently the Cult Movies podcast, and many, many more. Uh, she's someone I love talking movies with. It's Carmelita Valdez-McCoy. Carmelita, how are you doing? Hey, Matt. I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I am very excited to talk about this movie with you that I had never seen before we did it for, watch it for this podcast. So This is one of the greatest joys, <laughs> I think, is to talk about a movie that you love with someone who's just watching it for the first time. Regardless I... of how that person feels about it after their first <laughs> watch, even if they don't share your opinion of it there's something really cool about getting to live vicariously through a a, a first time watcher because it's been so long since my first watch that i'm just really stoked to talk about this movie with you that is always exciting because i i showed uh my friend ken recently last action hero which is a movie i've lived with forever basically <laughs> and he'd never seen it and it was so interesting to hear his thoughts on it as someone who was completely fresh versus someone who watched it for like 20 plus years at this point <laughs> so, yeah no yeah. it's the best <laughs> it's just exciting so yeah you live with this a long time i feel like you love this movie uh i just watched it for the first time this past weekend so we're coming out from very different places so this should be a very interesting conversation i'm very excited oh i'm beyond stoked it's gonna be fun <laughs> so uh before we get into that though i do want to say i did mention you were just on our friend anthony king's cult movie podcast um talking about the wild bunch and i was kind of praising before we started on the recording but but i thought that was a great episode with you and anthony i love the wild bunch i thought you guys did a, a great job talking about all the things that movie does and and how much is going on in that movie and how good it is so i just want to say that's a great episode of cult movies to check out for people if they have not heard it yet with you and anthony because it's just great conversation about a great movie i thought oh thank you friend it, you know <laughs> anthony's so easy to talk to the cult movies podcast is so cool so just so many great movies and so many great discussions so i was i feel very fortunate to have been asked to participate and to talk about a movie that is honestly one of my favorites so thanks for listening oh yeah no problem it's he does he does a great job over there he is very easy to talk to and i feel like honored to be on that show because he's had some very very big guests too on that yeah. show yeah like absolutely talking, it's like you're talking to me anthony about halloween you just talked to like <laughs> all these other famous you know you're not famous but like well-known writers and you know yeah movie people so no no it's great it's great i i love it and uh, i was so excited you guys did that one because 
And I told you before, it was like, I love that movie. And I think I, I think I had thought about picking it. I'm not even sure if I thought about it, but, but I definitely, I love that movie. I could talk about it. I was like, well, they just had a perfect conversation on that movie. So we're, it's covered. It's good. <laughs> so, no, that it. makes me so happy. It's <laughs> yeah. It's a film that I, I just thought to myself, when will I ever get asked to talk about the wild bunch? This is the movie I have to talk about because it's a huge, it's been a huge part of my life. So it was it was very cool to get to do that. And kind of the fun thing, anytime I, I get the opportunity to guest and talk about a movie that I love, it's it's always really cool to hear from listeners of a podcast that come out of the woodwork to be like, hey, I love that movie too. And and sometimes there's movies that you don't really get to talk about very often with people, but having a podcast episode spurs those conversations and gets people talking about something again. And, and you find out that all these people that, you know, love it too. And you just never talked about it. So it's, it's cool. <laughs> That's true. And a wild bunch, the wild bunch of the movie, I think to me is very famous and well-known, but I don't think I've ever had a conversation in real life with anybody about the wild bunch. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, you know, movie people know about it, but I feel like I just yeah. never talked to anybody about, about that movie in real life. So yeah, no, it's just, uh, it was it was great. It was great to you guys talk about it. So um, always fun talking movies you never thought you get to talk about, which happened on this podcast a lot, too, where I'm like, I get to do a whole show on Hard Boiled and the Killer. And I never, you know, like no one knew what those movies were when I was in high school. So, no, it's very exciting to, get to do that kind of thing. No, absolutely. Well, like when you and I talked to Mandy, like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was it was like a watershed moment, my friend. <laughs> Cause I love that movie. And I was thinking like, you know, it's still pretty in, in relatively speaking, relatively recent, just the last few years. And it's like, who's going to want to talk about this with me. And, and lo and behold, <laughs> there was a spot right here on film feast for us <laughs> to talk about it. And it was awesome. So yeah, there's always a spot to talk about anything. I feel like that's what I like about the show. Listen, there's been a couple shows that have been pitched to me about movies that I never thought I would talk about in the show, but I'm, excited about them kind of coming up uh yeah and yeah it's exciting because i can i needed this outlet i feel like like i said i didn't there was no one to really talk movies with in my normal life and uh now i can talk about whatever i want so it's very exciting <laughs> oh uh, yeah it's great <laughs> so yes and you you brought me legend which i had been meaning to watch forever and uh had not actually watched it yet so this is another thing that's good with this podcast people like push me to watch things so um it's good it's good it's, i like it <laughs> but um before we talk about legend though i do want to ask uh because i know we're both pretty big pretty avid movie watchers obviously oh, yeah. um have you seen anything good or interesting lately you want to talk about yeah so i my one of my other passions is music love music and there's a new documentary that's out it's directed by edgar wright um, who directed Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead, Baby Driver. He's a big fan of the pop group Sparks. I don't know if you're familiar with Sparks. I am only familiar with them because of this documentary that's come out. I haven't seen it yet, but everyone, I feel like it's talking about it. I don't yes. know any songs by this band at all. So See um, it. Watch okay. <laughs> this documentary. It's it's so cool. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a big plug for it. No, I'm not sponsored. No one's paying me money. I just love it. <laughs> you don't know Edgar Wright is what you're telling me? I don't know Edgar Wright. No one's paying me. I, I'm not on the payroll. I just really loved it. And it's still in theaters, but it just, 
became available for on demand, you know, for the, the little pricier rental. I'm sure the price will go down when it leaves the theater. So if people need to hold out, I get it. But please see it. It's so good. It's, you know, Sparks is this, it's been a band, it's been a duo, but it all centers around the brothers male. And they've been making music for 50 years. Wow. That's <laughs> and they have this this prolific discography, just so many songs, so many albums, so many iterations and transformations over this 50 years. And they're so influential. And the documentary, they got so many great uh, interviews with other artists. It's really cool. And even if you have no idea who Sparks is, if you're interested in the creative process, it is so fascinating to hear them talk about their process because their their song they write their own songs and they've written hundreds of them and so for them to and they're still making music and they're still touring and so to hear them talk about their process how they how they write and kind of how they've navigated all the changes over the years it's really cool anyone who's interested in creativity anybody who's interested in music, even if you don't know the music of Sparks, I highly recommend it. It's really cool. Okay, cool. Yeah, I've heard good things. And like I said, I don't think I, unless I just don't know, I know songs by them. Uh, I don't think I know any songs by them. I mean, and I hadn't even heard of the band until this documentary was coming out and people were talking about it. Um, I am usually interested in that kind of like creative process stuff. Like I, I am not a musical person by any means. It's like at all, but, but I, I really want to be, I always want to be, I feel like as a kid, I tried to play guitar, to play all kinds of stuff, didn't have the talent for it. So I like watching documents about bands, like working on music and going on tour even. Cause I always kind of like, I thought being on tour would be so cool. You're in a different city every night. You're in like a cool bus, you know, it's like, it all sounded yeah. so fancy. It's like just go around the country and be adored by fans and, you know, it just seemed like fun. So, um, usually all stuff that I enjoy in those kind of documentaries. So if it's all that kind of stuff, I think I actually probably find it pretty interesting. Yeah, it is. There's, you know, it starts out a little bit about how they grew up, but it really is, it really centers around them making music and what that's been like and kind of the trajectory of their career and the different people they've collaborated with. Cause the, the group always centers around the brothers and they've had different They've put together bands to join them on stage or to join them on records, but they also had a, a time period where it was, they had a synthesizer and it was just the two of them. And, and so they've, they've just done so many, that's just, their career has taken so many different twists and turns. And it's really cool to see. It's also like a really cool human story about these brothers who have been working together for 50 years. That's crazy. Yeah. That's like <laughs> that. I mean, there sounds like a lot of interesting, inter yeah, interesting stuff going on in this documentary. Yeah. So yeah, that very cool. It's on my list. I will, I will probably check it out. Um, I will probably wait till it gets cheaper because I'm kind of a cheapskate, but <laughs> I get it. I get it. <laughs> it's hard to pull the trigger on those $20 rentals. Sometimes if it's one of those like 15 or $20 rentals, I'm always like, yeah. I don't know, but, um, but yeah, no, I, if it does, sound I've done great. a couple, this one, <laughs> mm -hmm. and I bet you can guess the other one. Oh man. I feel like I should be able to, was it this year? Uh, yes, <laughs> no, 
<laughs> was it this year or was it the end of last year? It's all it was blurs. Willy's Wonderland. Oh, okay, okay. I paid for that one too, actually. I did pay for that one. Yeah. I mean, it was Nick Cage. <laughs> I know. With like animatronics and, you know, Chuck E. Cheese exactly. animatronics. How could I not pay 20 bucks for it? <laughs> and then I, I, I always get burned, not burned, but it's like, it's maybe even a few months later, it's like on Hulu for free, which I have Hulu. And I'm like, oh, I, but still worth it. Still got to see it. So, um, but I, I think you brought this up too. I have to go into this is like a sidebar, sorry, but uh, about how you get sucked into paying for all these streaming services because they have like one thing you want to see. Oh like, yeah, the... <laughs> this is this is a real thing. It's a real thing that I'm collecting streaming services. This yes, me too. When you said this, you said two <laughs> things recently that I like related to so hard, and I was like, yes, Carmelita, I'm 100 with you. Like the streaming service thing because uh, I had like. Actually, it'll come up. I like one movie. I'm like, oh, I want to see that. And it's on this certain streaming service. And now I still have the streaming service. And I'm like, I got to cancel it. But uh, I, it's like if a movie's only in one place, I'm like, I got to sign for that streaming service. And usually I forget to cancel it or I let it go longer than I meant to. And I pay for like an extra month or two or something. But um, that I think this is like a, I can't remember you said this a while ago about like you have a thing where if a movie is not streaming anywhere, like even to pay for, you feel like you have to go find it like dvd or the blu-ray yes. and like, yes and <laughs> i was like listening to that podcast i was like yes that's that's me too because that's how i end up blind buying so many things because if a movie is not available anywhere and i really want to see it i will like hunt down the blu-ray or dvd if it's like reasonably priced and just buy it because i'm like i have to have it it's not streaming anywhere <laughs> yeah i can't i i cannot abide the thought of a movie just disappearing or becoming unavailable. Yeah, it kills me. It's like a weird, irrational fear that I'm constantly worried oh, about. Oh, <laughs> but is it irrational? That's true. I don't know if ir irrational might have been the wrong word. I think it's very rational. Maybe, I mean, maybe my um, maybe my anxiety around it is is a little much, <laughs> but I don't know that it's irrational. Just because of the nature of something is streaming and then, you know, they lose the rights to stream it or whatever and then i mean something can just be gone yeah it's i try to explain to my friends all the time because they give me a hard time about how many blu-rays i own uh because every time someone comes over it's like right in the living room the big like uh atlantic tower shelves on the side uh -huh. and they look over and they're like do you have enough movies huh and i'm like no i don't <laughs> i'm like there's four k's over on the other side uh <laughs> i get very upset and i these people people don't if they're not movie people they don't understand like the need to own something or the want to kind of like preserve something um because i have a lot of stuff that is like you can only see it by having the blu-ray it's not streaming anywhere so yeah yeah so i get it We're, I, yeah. i'm like this about <laughs> like I'm one of those people who the the destruction of the of the ancient library in Alexandria, Egypt, mm -hmm. like sometimes I think about that and I get like a little choked up. <laughs> I get it. I I was going to be a history major. So I feel like it goes back to my also my love of like history and I feel like yes, we need to preserve archiving things. things. Archiving preserving things. Yes. things. It's very important having things for posterity to share with others and to have as reference and to enjoy later and to pass on like the idea that something could be destroyed and just cease to exist oh that makes like my stomach <laughs> is turning right now just the thought of it just makes me feel sick
yeah, it's it's crazy. I don't like it. I mean, rights issues get weird with movies. Like, mm-hmm. there's very famous movies that people who, who don't know, they might think, oh, I can go watch it anytime I want. And you can't if you try to go find it somewhere yeah. like you know, George Romero's Martin, as far as I know, still not streaming anywhere. He's a very famous right. director. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of other ones. There's plenty of examples of like famous directors or actors. And like, even th- they have movies that you can't find just to buy, even to rent or buy anywhere. So yeah, I don't know. I'm with you though. I just had to say that. Cause I was like, so I was like, Carmelita gets it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I just, I just can't. And yeah, the streaming service thing <laughs> it's, you know, like I, I will, I'll, I'll kind of hesitate. And then if there's like more than two things that they're offering that I can't get anywhere else, like I'm signing up for it. Like it's <laughs> inevitable. It's going to happen. Yeah, I've, yeah, and then every month it's the song and dance of, okay, do I still need this subscription? And sometimes it's even just one thing that keeps me hanging on like Hulu. Oh yeah. Hulu has the entirety of the X files. I could let Hulu go if it weren't for that fact. <laughs> oh, they got you with just the X files. That's all. That's well, all I need. You know. You want to know what's really stupid? Mm-hmm. I have it on. I have it on DVD. <laughs> oh, and this is the thing people don't get. Even as like physical media people, listen. I will not try to fight and say that streaming is not more convenient because it definitely is. There, I'm oh, lazy yeah. sometimes, and we'll watch stuff on streaming that I have on Blu-ray, but yeah. it's like, it's right there. You know, it's pushing a button. Boom. I don't have to get up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, so I get that too. But yeah, I, uh, again, the, I, it, this, I'm building it like it's a high art movie. This is not a high art movie that I couldn't find anywhere, but it popped up on like Cinemax streaming through Amazon prime. And I was like, Oh, I can watch that movie. And, <laughs> and like, well, you're going to laugh when I tell you what this movie is, but I, I didn't mean to derail you what you're talking about, but, um, sorry. So, um, oh no, now I need to know. You have to tell me. Oh, uh, did you have, I want you to let you finish your, what you've seen. I'll be my first pick. I promise. But if you want to okay, finish your, okay. what you've okay. seen lately. <laughs> well, so actually this is a great segue because okay. <laughs> the other couple of movies I'm bringing to the table today is because I've been thinking about like, okay, well, if you're going to have. 10 streaming services, get your money's worth mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> instead of renting extra stuff on top of the subscriptions you already have. Why don't we watch some movies that are right there already included in your subscription? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I watched some new movies that I might otherwise not have jumped on so quickly, but because I'm, I'm kind of having a moment. <laughs> where I need to justify what I pay in subscriptions every month. Uh, so I watched The Tomorrow War on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And... I'm very curious about this because I've heard mixed things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had heard mixed things too. And and shout out to my brother because he enjoyed it. He was like, don't listen to internet, watch it. <laughs> and, you know, I enjoyed it. I was entertained. Like... I'm I'm a big fan of science fiction and I like all types of science fiction. You know, the movie has this time travel thing. I, I would say it's, it's, I would not call this a hard science fiction movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So no one should go into it with that expectation. Um, The, the time travel of it all 
is really a vehicle for a very human like family story. And that was very nice. I think everyone gave good performances. It's a good popcorn movie. So I enjoyed myself and I didn't have to pay any extra rental fees. So, <laughs> so there you go. It was like, <laughs> it's right here. It's see, I have something of a harder time with movies that are, you know, like an Amazon prime exclusive or a Netflix exclusive. I know they're never going to go anywhere. So in my mind, there's no rush to watch that movie. You know what I mean? Right. So oh, I know I, <laughs> you're like, I get it. So sometimes oh, I, I get put, it. I, I don't know. I, I should watch this now because you've said positive things. Our friend Daniel Epler actually gave it a pretty glowing endorsement on Twitter uh, recently. Nice. And that really made me think, oh, I should really give this. A, I, I didn't want to give it a chance because I had not heard good things from like anybody. Um, and I just didn't I wasn't that interested. And I was like, I don't know. It just kind of looks kind of like blah to me. Like, I don't know. I just like two and a half hour sci-fi thing that landed on Amazon Prime like they must have dumped it there <laughs> you know I didn't know what the deal was so I but now I, I think I will give it a shot one day I think I'm gonna try it yeah I you know you got nothing to lose honestly mm-hmm. it's it's like a fun watch it's I, a fun watch yeah uh, like you said it's right there on Amazon Prime I it won't cost me anything <laughs> right there. exactly it's not gonna yeah. cost you extra <laughs> this is technically true. you already paid for it that's true. I pay for it every month because I pay for Amazon yeah. Prime monthly. So. Exactly. You <laughs> already month. you already paid for it. So <laughs> that's just your money sitting there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> gathering dust. Um, and then I, I also watched the first two installments of Fear Street. Okay. Yes. I, I thought you might bring these up because me and Daniel talked about the first one, 94. Mm. And uh, so and 78. And I will let you say your piece, but I actually think that uh i'm doing a podcast soon with daniel and Lindsay on her podcast so i probably won't say much more about 78 but i'm curious to hear your thoughts on both of those i had i had a i had a feeling that you <laughs> might you might be doing something like that soon so so I, I bring them up only to say that these two are it's this is another thing that like this would have taken me months maybe years to get to as long as it's on netflix i would have put it off like eh um, cause the older I get, the less like new movies that center around teenagers that I watch, mm-hmm. there's, there's <laughs> something really, there's something really weird about like, I'll watch eighties teen movies, seventies teen movies. I'll watch some nineties teen movies. And something about watching those transports me back to the first time I saw them and I was of an age with the characters or younger than the characters. And so it like it doesn't seem to matter mm-hmm. that I'm now a middle-aged woman. I'll watch the hell out of the Breakfast Club pretty imp- I'll watch those till the day I die. And and like relive that feeling. But watching like newer newer movies that are centered around teenagers i'm finding it every year it gets harder and harder (laughs) to to enjoy those teenage characters i can relate to that actually (laughs) uh i get it i get it every year it's like oh boy it's like make you feel older and older but um uh the good thing about fear street though was that they are set in past years but they are they are (laughs) they are still starring teenagers nowadays but still it may feel better that it was set in years past totally (laughs) so yeah so i i actually and i saw a lot of buzz on twitter 
film Twitter is all was all over these. So I was like, you know, I'm I'm going to go. I'm going to I'm going to go with it. I'm going to get my Netflix money's worth. I'm going to watch these two. Of the two, the one I really enjoyed was 1978. OK, yeah, I I, I will say that I, I liked 78, I think, uh, a little better than 94. And I liked 94, but I think I I don't know what even was about 78. So I can't even clarify, but I tell me about it, I liked it a little more. I don't know why, but um, I liked both. I'm curious why you like 78 more than 94, though. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, I've been I've, I mean, I've been trying to I've been trying to put my finger on why. And <laughs> I'm not entirely sure interesting okay i think i think maybe i think maybe 94 i was i was having trouble finding a a character to root for mm -hmm. there's like like one that i was like yeah that kid's cool i really don't <laughs> want to see him get killed oh okay i think I everybody else yeah. i was I, everybody else i was kind of like yeah that's fine <laughs> Pop them up. I'm cool with that. It's fine. They can die. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think you and I have talked about my my difficult relationship with the 90s. Mm -hmm. And so I think that might be part of it, too. Like, sometimes I'm down for 90s nostalgia, and sometimes I'm just like, ugh. <laughs> I just feel really fortunate to have made it out of that decade alive. And... <laughs> I don't need to go back. Oh, that's right. Because on seven, I think I talked about I had really fond memories of the 90s and you were like, not as much. I if I remember. Ugh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there were some good times. Don't get me wrong. There were. <laughs> and and I and I do have some nostalgia for it. Mm -hmm. uh, but like, yeah, sometimes it doesn't hit quite right. And something about 94, I don't I don't know that it hit quite right for me. Mm -hmm. But it was a great setup you know, for the next one. So I'm, I'm glad that I watched it because the next film in the installment wouldn't, you know, may, wouldn't probably have landed as well as it did if I didn't already kind of have kind of the setup and the basic premise going in that they provide me with in 94. So, but I'm glad I watched them. They were fun. I'm, I'm glad you checked them out. Yeah. Cause I mean, there was a lot of back and forth about that online. I, and I was telling Daniel that I saw mostly negative stuff. He said he saw mostly positive stuff. Um, I don't know what we were seeing different things from. I guess I follow like people who just weren't into it. Um, and yeah, I don't, but I thought they were, you know, they're fun. I don't know what else to say. I mean, I, you know, it's like, um, I, we don't get that many, uh, I assume they were high budget. They looked pretty slick. I mean, like they looked, yeah, they like, looked pretty good. There was like some they, production value there. Yeah, so we don't get a lot of high-budget slashers. Like, Netflix is giving us, like, three that are all connected back-to-back-to-back. To back to back, and I'm like, I appreciate that, you know? So I just, I didn't, I think people were taking them too seriously. It's like, I wasn't taking them that seriously, you know? That, that Yeah, that that definitely is a thing that happens. <laughs> so, yeah, I, you know, like I said, I'm kind of holding back my thoughts a little bit. But, I mean, no, overall, yeah. yeah please. Like, I, I look forward to hearing your future yeah. <laughs> episode wherever wherever that goes down whenever that goes down i yes. look forward to hearing your thoughts in depth well thank you yeah, so, yeah I, I, you can table that i won't i won't push you to give it this, to me now but that's okay <laughs> yeah they're fun they're fun and, we, and again 
this was a this was an exercise in getting my money's worth. And I'm there glad that I did. At I had Netflix, a good time. I don't know about you. Netflix may be one of the streaming services I use the least these days. Interesting. I barely touch it. Like I barely go into Netflix. I, I go to Prime all the time. Um I use Tubi more than I use Netflix. Uh, yeah, Netflix doesn't have much interesting stuff on there for me. It's like all these like original things I usually don't care about. And they barely have anything older than like 1990. I heard like there's some like stat about like, I think it's uh, might be, I might be making this up, but it's like less than 4% of the movies mm. on Netflix are pre 1990 or something crazy that, like that. That sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. It's just like, I feel like Netflix lost so many uh movies and shows to other streaming services that they have to make their own you know original content, content which doesn't ever usually excite me that much honestly and like it, it, so many times it's been like i hear about something from a director or something i'm excited about and it comes out I'm disappointed i don't know why um but netflix just disappoints me a lot i don't know what it is so um this is, this is one of those things I, you know i i think this is a we're all still very new to this mm -hmm. this model the way that this is growing and changing in terms of how we access film and TV. And, and it's going to be really interesting to see how things play out, how many of these streaming services survive and adapt and like what they're like, everyone's got to have a gimmick, right? Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, you know, like what do you have to offer that the other guy doesn't? And so, yeah, it's, I'm I'm curious to see how it plays out. I, I use Netflix enough that that one's not really in consideration for the chopping block. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like I for feel like me. they're going to, we're going to get to a point where they have to fold back into each other because they've <sighs> spread too far and too wide. And then you're going to yeah. have like Hulu team up with uh Paramount plus, or you're going to have Netflix and Disney play, you know, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm saying they'll have to partner up because they'll all be so diluted that they have to like get back together because they're not offering enough content or something. I just feel like there's like a breaking point where people can't pay for 12 different streaming services. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. You know. I, I'm curious to see how it goes. We're, we're, it's an, it's a new age. <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how it's, I don't know how it's going to play out. I'm kind of along for the ride. <laughs> we, we'll see. I mean, we have our Blu-ray, so we'll be okay, but it's like yeah. whatever happens. Um, anything else or, no, no, okay. that was that was well, kind of my last few days was catching up on on new stuff. I didn't have to pay extra for and the Sparks Brothers. <laughs> Watch it. I will. I will. It's on my list. Um, OK, now get ready to laugh at the movie that I went out of my way to watch because it is literally I'm not kidding. Only available on this streaming service right now. You cannot rent it. You can't like pay to buy it. You can. Uh, it's the movie Airheads from 1994 <laughs> with, with uh, Brendan. It's not available anywhere. DVDs out of print, wow. I think. Uh, you literally can't pay to rent it. You can't pay to buy it. It's on like the Cinemax streaming service, which I get through Prime. And I have like my IMDb watch list I've been keeping forever. Like my IMDb, I joke about this. My IMDb watch list is like out of control. It's got like 1,800 movies on it because I just keep adding movies. <laughs> like for, and this has been on for years and years, like pre Letterboxd. Because I know a lot of people keep sure. their, watch, their watch list on Letterboxd, but I, I kind of tried and I'm like, I think IMDb is a better watch list and I've already had so much. I can't port all the stuff over to Letterboxd. So, so right. on IMDb, it's nice though, because you can filter by all these different things like by streaming service. So you can see what on your watch list is That's on nice. what's on. So I had like, somehow I was like bored one night going to my watch list and like 
Airheads was <laughs> Cinemax, and I was like, "Oh, I should get a free. I can have a free trial of Cinemax for a month." And I'm like, "I can never see that movie in either way." <laughs> so, so not high art, like I said. Have you seen Airheads, by the way? <laughs> I have. I mean, it's it's been a while. Now it's so funny because we talked about Fear Street '94, and this movie's from '94, and people yeah. were mad that Fear Street '94 didn't feel like 1984. I feel like Airheads feels like it is truly from 19 which it is from 94 but it really feels like 1994 <laughs> like yeah there's it's so grunge everyone's wearing like you know flannels wrapped around their waist <laughs> and, yeah <laughs> and like beavis and butthead call in at one point like it's like the most 90s thing which i love because it's so nostalgic for me i'm like yeah, yeah. It's good. all the 90s stuff uh the music in there is like genuine to that time period so people haven't seen Airheads, which they probably haven't, because it's a shockingly hard to see movie. <laughs> um, directed by uh, the guy who did Heather's, Michael Lehman. Lehman? I don't know how to pronounce his name. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I'm blanking, but yes. yeah. But uh, which I love Heather's. Um, and it's very, Airheads is very funny. I really liked it. It's a stupid movie, but it's basically uh, Brendan Fraser, Adam Sandler, and Steve Buscemi are in a band. And they're trying to get like their big break. They're always trying to get their demo tape to people and no one cares. So they kind of they they take these like toy guns and try to go hold up uh, a radio station, hold it hostage, get them to play their their demo. And things kind of like get a little out of hand and like, um, you know, kind of they get wherever their heads. Uh, and there's like a crowd outside that forms super quickly, actually, <laughs> like surprisingly quickly. And they're like cheering them on. And it's all very like. It feels very like like uh, grunge Gen X, like, you know, down with the system, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Which yeah. I which I, love I mean, yeah. <laughs> I feel like you say Brendan Fraser, that should be enough of a selling point. Right. <laughs> Personally. Yeah. And they're like babies. It's like him and Adam Sandler look like, you know, they're kids in this movie. Um, Steve Buscemi is always the same age to me. I don't know if I've ever seen him look young. <laughs> like, he's got long hair in this movie. Point. Yeah. I imagine he was born like a 30 year old man. I don't think he ever like <laughs> looks. I've never seen him truly look like a young man. Like he looks younger in Airheads, but like, you know, Brendan Fraser and I'm saying look like complete baby faces and he still looks yeah. like Steve Buscemi. So um, Chris Farley shows up. Ernie Hudson shows up. Um, there's a bunch of people like pop up in this. David Arquette pops up. Um, yeah. Like it's just, it's a, a lot of time fun. capsule. It is a little time capsule. It's nice. I really, really liked it. It's a really fun movie. Um, and I was glad I was able to see it. And it's only on the Cinemax app if you have it. <laughs> so <laughs> random. I'm like, what? That, that what? So, yeah, it just popped up. And I was like, all right. Um, and now my goal is, like, to look at, like, try to watch all the stuff on the Cinemax app before my trial runs up for the month. Mm, <laughs> like, yeah. Milk it for all it's worth. Um, so that was fun. Uh, and I guess I've been like in a weird 90s movie mood because I've uh, watched all these 90s movies. And this is a whole different. Oh, tell me. I know. This is a whole different thing. This is not cool at all. This is like I feel like I'm watching this kind of stuff. I'm like turning into like my my parents. Like somehow I'm turning my stepdad, which doesn't make sense. But it's like he I watch. I'm in a real Clint Eastwood kick recently. Um, and I watched In the Line of Fire. Have you ever seen In the Line okay. of Fire? Yeah. Um, thought it was very good. I was like, wow, this is a really solid like. Hollywood movie like big budget like big stars uh, directed by Wolfgang Peterson who's like a really solid director for the most part um, and I'm like wow I'm really appreciating these 90s thrillers that my mom would rent from the video store <laughs> like, 
like in a different way as an adult. I'm like, I like Clint Eastwood now. I like 90s thrillers. Like, you know, um, it's it's good. It's it's I mean, uh, so if yeah, people don't know, but that one, uh, Clint Eastwood plays a Secret Service agent uh, who was around for the Kennedy assassination and couldn't stop it. So he's been living with that guilt for like 30 years. And he's still in the Secret Service. And everyone's like, shouldn't you be retired by now? <laughs> Which he probably should be. Um, but he's like, he can't get out. It's 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 tearing him up. They didn't yeah. save Kennedy. Um, and <laughs> so so now he he finds out there's a a guy who might be trying to take out the current president. Uh, and that guy's played by John Malkovich, who if you need a psycho, John Malkovich is like a great psycho. Like he's super fun <laughs> like and scary. Like he just seems like genuinely unhinged. He he sells it so well, like Cyrus the Virus Man from Conair. It's like he seems so genuinely unhinged, but like, um, so he's really good. Another movie is like full of people that I recognize. I'm like, oh, the only thing I thought was really weird about it in Line of Fire uh, was that they start a romance between Clint Eastwood and Renee Russo in the movie. Yeah, it's a little, is, <laughs> it's a little iffy. weird. Cause, a little iffy. Listen, there's like a 25 year age difference, first of all, which is already kind of like, okay. Um, I mean, the other part that's weird, I, I honestly felt like they didn't build up the, the relationship enough. Like, they don't seem to like each other, have any chemistry, but then they just suddenly start, like, making out, like, at one point, <laughs> you know, it's like, like, she's it's super... It's a little into, weird. It's a little weird. And, I mean, Eastwood didn't, I don't think, write or direct this, so I don't think he did it himself. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, somebody <laughs> was like, you guys should get together, these characters. It doesn't even make sense from a character standpoint. And it's weird because there's such a huge age gap. I'm like why would she be into this man? And it's just really weird. <laughs> but um, besides that point, I did really like it. I was like, uh, you know, I was like, this is just nice. It's like weirdly refreshing. I don't want to sound like turning like a, an old boomer, but it's like, <laughs> um, <laughs> like these, these movies were just, things were just different back then. It's like, you know, these like solid, solidly made like thrillers for adults with like all these stars. And I feel like, we don't get a lot of those nowadays. Um, you know, no, you're right. We don't. And, and yeah, it can be, they go down easy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's something you can put on to be entertained and, and you just kind of go with the flow of it and you don't have to get super invested mm -hmm. and you can just kind of enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. It it also feels weirdly nostalgic for me, probably because I'm remembering like when I was a kid and my parents would rent these kind of movies and they just, like the feel of them, the look of them. I'm like, oh, this feels mm -hmm. like warm and comforting. <laughs> so, yeah, apparently I'm turning to my parents. That's cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> good. That's good news. Uh, so, oh, this just reminded me about like a movie like In Line of Fire where I'm like, oh, you know, we don't get things like this anymore. I also rewatched Basic Instinct the first time in like a long time oh my god yes i watched that <laughs> a few months ago it, and mm -hmm. and that was very i had a lot of fun <laughs> i had a lot of fun watching that yeah it's i hadn't seen it like in a few years at least and i caught it randomly like tv one night which I feel like I rarely watch movies on, like just that come on the TV, but I'm like, oh, yeah. oh this just started. And I'm like, I'll watch because I feel like all, I've also been kind of like a Paul Verhoeven mood recently. Um, uh, and that came on and I was like, this movie is really 
fucking good. And it's like, the thing is like, listen, I will openly admit when I was like 13, 14, I was trying to watch Basic Instinct for totally different reasons. I'm just going to put it there out there. There was one reason. <laughs> Let's be real. There Let's was be one real. reason. I was like, this movie's like forbidden. I've heard all these <laughs> things about it. I'm like, I got to see Basic Instinct. But genuinely, I appreciate it so much more for so many other things now. <laughs> like, and that's a crazy example of that movie made so much money. I think it was like top 10 of that year it came out. Can you even imagine a movie like that cracking the top 10 in the box office nowadays? Like that would never happen. Nowadays, no. It wouldn't never. happen now. <laughs> it was huge at the time. The yeah. buzz and everyone talking about it and and the controversy around the famous uh, interview scene. Right. And <laughs> oh yeah, it was everywhere. You couldn't you couldn't get away from it. And and yeah, I don't I don't know that you could make something like that now and and have it generate the same kind of interest. Yeah. It was a time and a place. And <laughs> those days are gone. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's such a well-made movie. I feel like I wrote this about Paul Verhoeven recently. Like He can take what in a lot of people's hands could be trash and make it like a great, great movie <laughs> because. Oh, I love Verhoeven. I, yeah, I, I I want to talk about more on the podcast. I was thinking of like doing some of his movies coming up because I'm like, I still about, I want to talk about Paul Verhoeven, you know, more. But uh, because everything he does, I just rewatch Hollow Man and I'm like, this movie's like not his best. It's probably near the bottom of his like American stuff. But even a movie like Hollow Man would be probably complete shit in like someone else's hands. But but I think with Paul Verhoeven, he always adds something like subversive or something interesting. Yes. Um, I mean, anything Robocop. Total Recall, Basic Instincts, Starship Troopers, definitely. That movie would have just been like, you know, I think people took it at face value in 97, but it's like all the stuff about fascism and like, you know, like there's just always something going on in his movies um, that people just wouldn't do. They all be like, they probably be garbage in most other people's hands, but he makes them something special. So um, yeah, and Basic Instinct, I was like, it would be so well directed. I just couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is so well made, but um, but yeah, that's a whole, we'll have to do something else on Paul Verhoeven soon because now I just want to oh, talk about some of his I would movies. love it. <laughs> I would love it. I'll, I'll think of something. We should. Um, yeah, think of something. Okay. <laughs> I want to talk about all of them. How do I do that? So it's like, oh, it's yeah. tough. Um, but yes. Okay. Last thing I will mention before we get into Legend. Fine. People are like, can you talk about Legend? But <laughs> last thing. <laughs> um, We're getting there. Hold on. We're getting there. People might love this part or not. Like, I don't know. It's weird. People, you know. <laughs> Now I put a timestamp at the bottom that says, like, if you want to hear about the movie, skip to blah, blah, blah minute. Because there some you people, go. I think it upset. So I get the best of both worlds. So, OK, last thing. I don't know how you feel about these movies, actually. Uh, the MCU Marvel movies, because I just saw Black Widow, which just came out. Actually, when this drops, it'll be a couple weeks, but it just came out. Um, I saw Black Widow in the theater. Uh, I don't have too much to say because I just thought it was like most Marvel movies. To me, it's like nowadays it's like it's good. And some of the, some of them I think are great. And I think so, this one was yeah. just like, it's a solid, good movie. It does some more okay. interesting stuff than it, you don't like superhero movies. Um, <laughs> there is some more interesting stuff in there for other people. Like there's some really good character stuff. Cause it's all about Scarlett Johansson's character and her right. background. And um, it's not really a spoiler. It's in the trailers. Like her, her, she had like a little family unit that they lived together kind of undercover. And it was like her, her little sister played by Florence Pugh in the movie, who is great. In the right. movie. She steals the movie. Um, her parents, air quotes, were David Harbour and Rachel Weiss. And 
there's the part where they have to come back together, like middle of the movie. And there's all this good, like character stuff. I thought like, there's actually some like, you know, their relationships, and their interactions. Yeah. And of course there's like ridiculous over the top Marvel CGI action at the end, but it's like, you know, there's, I, I thought it was interesting. It was a little different for them. Um, I thought it was good. So yeah, I just, I liked it. Nice. I don't know how you feel about those I'm movies. Gl- I'm glad to hear that. I, I enjoy the MCU. I'm not, I'm not there on opening day. I'm not camped out, <laughs> um, you know, and I, I kind of, I enjoy them some more than others. I think it's a good time. I mean, I enjoy comic book movies. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not super passionate about the MCU. So like, I don't get mad when people don't <laughs> like it. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not mad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not angry at Scorsese. I'm not mad. Um, yeah, so I, so Black Widow is kind of one of those where it was like, well, yeah, I'll get around to it. And I, I would imagine it's on Disney plus. Yeah. Or oh, it is. Pay yeah. Extra. You, could pay, you could pay 30 bucks, but it's a lot. Of, oh, it's, no. Yeah. Oh, wait. <laughs> so I'm not going to pay 30 bucks for it. Yeah. No, that's only a good option if you invite like a few friends over or something. They all chip yes. in, you know, but like a watch um, party. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I don't have a ton to say. I'm glad I didn't like plan a whole episode on it because I probably could have done it. But I mean, it's just like, I'm like, it's good. It's solid. I liked it. So that's, yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, so <laughs> I had more to say about airheads and black. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, what a picture. What a pitch. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> oh God. Um, I guess we should probably talk about legend finally. <laughs> so, we should totally talk about so, legend because this, it's so exciting. This came up randomly on Twitter, right? Because like you, I think something you, you put, okay. So I think I asked a question that I actually kind of regret it because it kind of got a little viral. It was about like, what, what theatrical cuts do you think are better than the director's cut? And I think it may come on there where you brought up legend. And then we said, like, uh-huh. if you want to do an episode. And I said, I'll do an episode on legend. So because I hadn't seen it and I wanted to. Um, so that's how this came up. It was very random. But I'm glad it did because I will just say general thoughts. I liked legend a lot, actually. Awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, I have more. I'm curious to hear your background with legend. It's not like you live with it for a long time. hurt my feelings if you didn't like it. <laughs> I, I got to be honest. It's a place where you can be honest. Oh, I got listen. I will tell you. I got to be honest. I thought that I was. I was worried I wasn't going to like it because mm. I have never been much of like a fantasy person. Like I don't really like. I I say that, but then I think of all these fantasy movies I've actually ended up liking. Like I I saw Willow for the first time I think this year for at this movie fest, and I liked. I thought I was going to not like Willow. I liked Willow. Um, I love Labyrinth. From around the same time. Uh-huh. Um, I I like Lord of the Rings just fine. I'm not like somebody who's really into Lord of the Rings. But I don't tend to like stuff like that. Like wizards and sure. knights and you know, fantasy kind of stuff. And I was like, yeah. oh boy. I don't know about Legend. But no, I really did like Legend. So I thought I wasn't going to. And I was like, oh God. What if I hate Legend? I got to talk to Carmelita about it for an hour. <laughs> but, but no, I liked it. I liked it a lot. <laughs> oh, that makes me so happy. So... It, you know, I'll say this about legend. It would be disingenuous of me to try and claim that this is a perfect film. Mm-hmm. It's not. <laughs> but I love it with every fiber of my being. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. <laughs> I just love this movie. There is something about this movie that 
you know, I, I saw it in the eighties when I was a kid and, and so much of the aesthetic of this film and this world that Ridley Scott and his team created all of this imagery that to this day, like when I think storybook magical forest, the forest from legend is what I picture. Like when I think like torturous hellscape, I still picture the Lord of Darkness's lair. Like it's, it's just so iconic to me. And it's, I think this, this film is really a lot about mood for me. And, and, and just the way that all of the little details come together to, to build this world. And it's, it's a world that I fell in love with when I first saw it as a kid. It's one that I revisit often. It's one that I never shut up about. I <laughs> talk about <laughs> at every opportunity. Cause this movie is like my, it's, it's, this is one of my happy place movies. I could see that. I understand that from watching it. I, I could see how this would be like a movie you would want to like go into and like live in, you know? <laughs> yes. It's like this, this movie is one of those, it's like an escape mm -hmm. because of this, uh, because of the world building. And I, and I think, you know, because this is made all of practical effects and these gorgeous sets that they built it's aged really well in terms of, you know, it doesn't look hokey. There isn't out of date CGI or out of date effects to, to take you out of it. It's like they constructed this amazing fantasy realm and I can retreat there anytime I want and listen to Tangerine Dream. And that, <laughs> I mean, that's what I want to do. That, yeah, <laughs> I, okay, I will agree with you. You said one thing that really stuck out that I'm like, I it's such a mood piece movie, I feel like. Yeah. It really, like, I only watched it once and it yesterday, so it, like, really is fresh, and I just kind of had to take it in, you know, I don't have time to, I didn't have time to, like, go back and rewatch it and pour over things, but uh, I don't think it's a movie to be, you know, dissected. To the, like, the story is extremely secondary. I mean, the story is very simple, I feel like. It's extremely straightforward fantasy stuff like hero boy goes and saves girl you, you know, could be usually a princess but yeah and there's like a big evil dark figure and he has little like friends to help him along the way and you know and there's unicorns all kinds of stuff but it's like it's it's like pretty straightforward but like the the mood like instantly like i was like hypnotized by this movie almost like within the first few minutes i was like this is one of the best looking movies i've seen in so long because of the reasons you said, like it's so much of it is practical and it's just so well made and so well shot that it just there's times you could have paused it and it just is like you just look, take it in because it's like it looks like so amazing. There's a shot like near maybe the end middle where uh, darkness is kind of like hovering over um, Mia Sarah's character. There's a fireplace mm -hmm. behind him. And it looks like you could pause it and do a painting of it. It's just, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Like, um, and there's so many of those moments and, uh, and the tangerine. Dream. So between the visuals and the tangerine dream score, this movie's hypnotic. Like I was like, this it is an is. amazing mood piece. Like I am in, but 
yeah, if you want, like you said, it's not a perfect movie, but for those reasons alone, I give it so much credit where it just like works on this like, like ethereal, like dreamlike level where you kind of let it wash over you, I feel like. Absolutely, my friend. <laughs> Absolutely. No, and it's, it is a very simple story. And you can dig into some of the nuances because there are some nuances to the characters. The mm -hmm. overarching story is extremely simple, but the characters have some nuances that are very interesting. But it really is the thing to me that really sells this movie is, is just how gorgeous it is. And it's, I mean, it's just amazing, like shot after shot, frame after frame. It's, and it's stunning in, in high definition. The Blu-ray is, I mean, it's gorgeous. And yeah. I, I just, oh, I love all the little <laughs> details. Like there's glitter everywhere. <laughs> it's a lot of glitter. I noticed that. <laughs> glitter everywhere, bubbles, um, little dust particles that flow through the beams of, you know, the shafts of light that come mm -hmm. through a window or that break through the trees and candlelight and, you know, that sparkly snow and like little like feathers and cherry blossom petals. I mean, it's, there's just this, there's just this, this whole, like, there's just a vibe that this movie gives off. That's just, I just find it, and you put it, you put it in a great way, hypnotic. It's just very comforting and soothing to me. Just I, how beautiful mm, it is. And, and the that, mood yeah. <laughs> that it evokes. Um, and, and the characters are so are so interesting. And I think if you, if you go, if you go back and do some rewatches in the future, I think, you know, you can, you'll, you'll pick up on some of the, the more of the little things, but it's, even if you don't like, it's, it's just something, it's just something to really like, I don't know. This movie for me is like, like stepping into a pool mm -hmm. of like, warm water like <laughs> it's it's just like this very relaxing comforting oh i just love it i just love it I, I i can get it it's it's i feel like with me usually first time i watch a movie i can more focus on story and i almost feel like legend is the opposite where i'm more focused on the visuals and the score and the stuff that was happening with characters and story was pretty secondary like i was kind of like the movie just kind of like you know, like I said, wash over me and I yeah. would need to go back and probably watch it again to get more into some of the other stuff that's going on. And uh, I did read I, the funny thing about this movie is that for how um, like kind of straightforward the theatrical cut is, there's a whole thing about other cuts in this movie, too, which is like a whole thing. I'm sure it's a whole discussion. Oh, yeah, my have. friend. Um, that's how I brought up that we like theatrical versus director's cut. So I did watch the theatrical cut, uh, you know, which is about an hour and a half long which I thought was like the perfect length. I was like, this is like, it had a great, I thought it had a great first, second and third act. Like, you know, it all like structured very well. I was like, I don't know if I need more than this. And I was reading though about some of the stuff in the longer cut, which made it sound pretty interesting about kind of like deeper character things where people, I can't remember if they were representing like the seven deadly sins where someone was angry and someone was jealous and, 
um, someone was lustful. There was stuff like that, which I don't really, I didn't get in the theatrical, but it's like, um, yeah, I mean, there's just stuff that seems like it should be, I could mine it deeper if I go back and watch it again. So I don't know if you know more about the theatrical versus director's cut or I do. Like a third cut or something <laughs> like so, so many cuts. <laughs> so, so the kind of the, the history of this movie, kind of all the trouble they had in production, I think is one of the things that makes it so interesting to see the finished product and to compare the different versions. I personally still have a preference for the U.S. theatrical. Um, maybe that has a lot to do with the fact that it's the version that I saw first and it's the mm -hmm. version that I fell in love with. Uh, I think the Tangerine Dream score has a lot to do with it because I, for me, it's one of the most unique features about this fantasy story is, you know, rather than having a traditional orchestral score to have the synthesizers, to have that very like ethereal ambient quality to the music. It just, it gives it something a little different. Yeah. I think. I'm a I'm a big sucker for uh, Tangerine Dream scores too, so I was like on yeah. board instantly. They did a great one for um, Michael Mann's Thief, um, right? Yes, and I, I mean, there's so many great scores. Like I I can't even start naming them all, but and every time I hear one, I feel like I'm, you know, on board like instantly. <laughs> so I'm with you. Yeah, I read. I, I love Tangerine Dream. So for me, like the the marriage of all these really gorgeous ethereal you know, shots and then this, you know, ambient electronic score. Like it's just, for me, it's like, it's perfect. Um, so I, I really love that about it. It's, I think too, the, the story in the U S theatrical is, is a little more vague, mm -hmm. which I could see being a critique that some folks would have because there's things that were cut out of the U.S. version, you know, for the U.S. version and some things that were added. So it's, yeah, it's interesting. So the director's cut is, is gorgeous. And the things that it, it has in addition to what the U.S. theatrical has is it's, it's more traditional fantasy. So there's songs. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. um, Lily, the Mia Sarah's character, sings. Uh, there's like a whole riddle sequence where Gump asks Jack a riddle. So those are like very traditional fantasy elements. It it harkens back to like Tolkien. It's mm -hmm. it's it's kind of that more traditional fantasy feel. And it has a Jerry Goldsmith score. Which, right. I, I mean, about that, the yeah. man's a master. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's a beautiful score. So this is not, this is, this is not a knock on the man's work. It's a beautiful score, but it is very traditional. It's, you know, kind of what you expect from like a traditional fantasy film to have right. an orchestral <laughs> score. this, you know, it, and it is beautiful. Don't get me wrong. There's something about the U.S. theatrical version with that Tangerine Dream score that I, I just prefer it. But I would tell anyone, it's worth seeing 
the director's cut. Um, because it is just interesting to compare the two and to see how the, how the mood is a little different with the different score. Yeah. I'm very curious to hear that. Cause I'm like, when you say you, when they say that when they cut a Jerry Goldsmith score, I'm like, wow, you just dumped a Jerry Goldsmith score. <laughs> Cause like, he's so, a great composer. Yeah. But so here's I mean, the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, this is, this is what's interesting about this movie. So the original score that Ridley Scott wanted was the Jerry Goldsmith score. And that score is the one that's used in the European theatrical cut. So European audiences, their theatrical cut has the Jerry Goldsmith score. The director's cut has the Jerry Goldsmith score. Mm -hmm. Now, the problem was that Universal had all the big say in how it was going to be distributed for the U.S. market. And they didn't want that Jerry Goldsmith score. They didn't want that that more traditional uh, orchestral score. They wanted Tangerine Dream. They wanted it to be, um, you know, electronic. They just wanted to do something different. The endings are different. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And and it's not like a huge difference. It's it's just really interesting. Like, and I uh, if you listen to the commentary on the Blu-ray, it it plays. Oh, you can listen to commentary on the director's cut. And Ridley Scott <laughs> really talks up the orchestral score. That was his preference. That was that was his vision for this thing. And and he also goes off about like they had a lot of they had to do a lot of rewrites on the script. And then they also had budget constraints. There was only so much of the original vision that they had that that they were going to have the budget to actually do, especially considering they're having to build all these sets. Right. Right. And then the set burned down. I read about that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, there's this whole like tortured process they went through to make this movie and, and, you know, and then the interference from universal and, and so it's the legacy of it is kind of a fractured one because you have what Ridley Scott envisioned and kind of the concessions he had to make and, and the versions that he had more control over and then you have the U.S. theatrical, which is not quite what he had envisioned, but I still prefer it actually. So it's, it's just a, it's really interesting to compare and contrast. And, and I'm always curious when, when folks who saw one cut and had never seen the other to then go and see the other one and, and like get a reaction on what people think. There's no wrong, right or wrong answer. It's like mm. whatever preference. Um, but it is interesting to compare the two. Yeah, I I do want to watch the director's cut. But honestly, from it being longer and the stuff, just a couple of things you told it's me they added. It's not that much longer, though. I know. I saw it's only like maybe 20 minutes longer, maybe. Yeah, it's not um, that much longer. But just the stuff you told me that's in there, I'm like, I don't know if I need songs and riddles. <laughs> like, yeah, this might be the you, stuff I don't like about fantasy movies. <laughs> like, Yes. Yeah. For you, my friend, as as someone who's who's not big on the fantasy genre. 
that director's cut might be a little too traditional. Mm-hmm. And I it, love the score might... so much. Yeah, it's like, ah, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I will watch it because I'm really curious. But yeah, I, even I just, just yeah, out of curiosity, just to see see the differences. I'm just not sure. I'm like, well, I, no, is this, isn't Arrow putting out a new Blu-ray of this? Has oh yeah. Had? Okay. Is that does it gonna have multiple cuts on it? Do you know? Oh goodness. <laughs> I pre-ordered it and I don't remember what all is on it because it didn't even matter. Oh yeah, you're just like pre-order. I got I gotta have this. I had I had to have it. Um <laughs> I mean, they probably I would imagine they have both at least. It I, will, yeah, it will. Like because that's it, you know, nowadays like that's that's one way that that they can get they can get his his vision out there, mm-hmm. um, you know, that wasn't available before. So, so yeah, it should, it should have it on there, and then you know it'll have all the nice extras, and it's like in this gorgeous packaging. It was the packaging that got me. <laughs> okay, I couldn't say no. Uh, uh, yeah, I I couldn't say no. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's you know, and and I think like the riddles and the songs I enjoy it and I like hardcore like fantasy genre stuff um and I I would encourage anyone who's never seen the director's cut to check it out just to see but the theatrical the U.S. theatrical is still my favorite and I think I kind of like that it's it's a little more stripped down and there's a little more that's open to interpretation and kind of reading the nuances of some of the characters. I kind of like that. Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, it's hard to I haven't seen another one, but it feels like what I saw, I was like, this this seems like I don't need anything else. I felt like it was well paced and it felt like when it ended, I was like, perfect. Like, don't eat, don't add anything else. Like, you'll. I thought they would kill the pace if they threw anything else off and i love that score so much like instantly i was like oh it was i think it was playing and tangerine dreams name popped up on the credits and i was like yeah. yes okay uh so i'm I, you know i'll i'll look at i was actually looking because i was like trying to find the blu-ray i don't think it was on amazon anymore like the old blu-ray that had both cuts right. and it was like 10 bucks on ebay and i was like i should just buy this shouldn't i <laughs> like it's 10 bucks like um and I had to pay to rent this too. There was a, it wasn't streaming anywhere. I was like, oh man, Legends not streaming anywhere. I'm on all my streaming services, <laughs> but um, but it was worth it. But I was like, should I just buy the Blu-ray? I was like, I do want to see the other cut. And the other cut is, as far as I could tell, the director's cut, not streaming anywhere. So that's the only way I could see it. So yeah, I don't yeah. know. This this Arrow package does look amazing, by the way. I just looked it up on. It, it does have both cuts. Um, and I'm like, maybe I should buy the Arrow package. <laughs> like oh it's so gorgeous it's amazing i'm looking like oh my god there's so much stuff in this thing it's crazy um it's fancy yeah it's real fancy (laughs) so i don't know like from my perspective the cut i saw i'm like great don't change a thing but uh, it's still a flawed movie because like yeah the 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 character stuff if we get like a little bit it's like you know tom cruise and mia sarah are both kind of to me they almost felt like and this sounds more negative than i mean it to be they both kind of felt like blank slates of people they kind of just felt like very much mm. like caricatures of i'm the hero i'm she's not really a princess i guess but like the princess girl and you know like i liked them both but i didn't feel like they had much depth if that makes you know it's like they just kind of were like the very much stereotypical story characters from a fairy tale um and 
honestly, if someone pressed me on like any details of the half in the movie, it'd be like, I probably couldn't tell you like beat by beat the plot. Um, I'm like, they need to save a unicorn. Uh, there has to be light to fight the darkness and uh, the unicorn can't be killed. I do have a question. Uh, yes, like, uh, what did I miss something? Why uh, Tim Curry or darkness? Uh, why he doesn't just kill that unicorn instantly when he gets, he holds it for like a while and then has a big thing to kill it. They have to wait for something to, to try to kill the unicorn. Is there a reason? No, is it? Just, oh, just, dr- just, just dramatic pause. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought. I was like, this is like a movie thing to wait like however many days to kill this unicorn. Um, but uh, okay. And I, I do want to talk about Tim Curry as darkness because holy oh, shit. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> it's like, he's, I mean, he's, he's one of the best things about this movie. Yeah. I hands uh, down. I agree. Yeah. And I think we talked about this on Twitter a little bit where it's like, I have never seen legend, but I've seen the image of Tim Curry as I didn't, I thought it was just the devil. I mean, I guess he's supposed to be the devil, but they call him darkness. Um, and he's like the quintessential, very scary devil you'd imagine, you know, he's got like yeah. giant black horns and he's all red and he's, he's terrifying. Cloven <laughs> feet. Cloven feet. He's, hooves. Hooves. he's terrifying. Like he's like, he's like seven foot tall or something. Um, and I'd seen the image as a kid and was like horrified by this. And it's like seeing <laughs> seeing him in the movie, I was still horrified. But I was like, this guy is fucking scary. Like if I'd seen this as a kid, this would have been my nightmare fuel to see Tim Curry as darkness because um the the makeup work is so good. It's, it's so like, good. That I know like Tim Curry's it's amazing because it's like the makeup works so good. So I totally believe it. But also I can tell that is still Tim Curry acting. He can still act within the makeup and he's covered under a lot yes. of stuff, <laughs> but it's that like, is, it's one of the most <laughs> remarkable things. It's about the yeah. character is that even with all those, all the prosthetics and the makeup, Tim Curry's performance, his personality, his, his facial expressions, it still comes through. Yeah. It's it's incredible. I was blown away by that. I was like, he's managing to perform and give a really good performance underneath all this stuff. Um, it, Rob Bottin, who did the thing, did the amazing makeup effects, uh, and they're great. So it's a great pairing of, like, the makeup effects and his performance, and it's it was funny. I know you won't agree with this, and I don't agree with it either, but some magazine <laughs> said that this was, like, his performance as darkness was the, they ranked it the number two best performance in a bad movie of all time. I don't think it's a bad movie. I just thought it was no. interesting. They were like how good his performance was, but, um, but yeah, no, he's, he's great. And uh, I do like that they kind of keep him hidden for a while. I mean, you kind yeah. of see right at the beginning of the actual cut and he looks really cool. I think he's, he's like all black there with like neon green eyes. Yeah, it's like a black light effect. Um, yeah, it's very cool looking. And then you don't see him as like his full form, like red devil thing till like maybe an hour into the movie of an hour and a half movie, I think. But um, it's a great entrance. I mean, it's like when he comes in, it's like it, they use him well because it, it more impact and more effect that way, I think. But um, I was blown away by that whole thing. It was crazy. <laughs> so, no, absolutely. And. One of the really cool things about it, too, is that his character has some of the best lines in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and there's there's a lot that comes through in in his dialogue and 
and in some of his little monologues that tells you a lot about, you know, kind of the moral to this story because every fairy tale has a moral, right? And one of the things that I really love about this movie and that I think sets it apart from, from some other fantasy stories is that this movie is all about balance, the balance of darkness and light that you can't have one without the other. Hmm. It's not a story about good vanquishing evil. It's a story about equilibrium, about balance and about how we all have light and darkness in us. Like that is just so cool. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's very interesting. I, I felt like Ridley Scott was, I think I read this, that he was playing off like some Christian kind of mythology, but without ever, you know, saying it, obviously, even though even though Tim Curry does look like your like stereotypical like devil. Um, sure. But and there's demons and uh, all kinds of stuff. But um, and I felt like you know, Mia Sarah and Tom Cruise's characters were supposed to be like the, the the so innocent you know and they live this like in like the garden of eden or something you know it kind of felt like there was all this christian mythology but he he's not you know really he's not overstating it you know so it's it's there but it, it sounds like more of that might be in the director's cut if i read this right i don't know like there's more kind of stuff about like i said about the seven deadly sins um i mean not Still not that obvious. <laughs> not put in, no, yeah, not that obvious. Not okay. put in, in quite those terms. I think, you know, one of the interesting things about the Lily and the Jack character is that they are innocent, but they're corruptible. Mm -hmm. And, and like the Lily character is really interesting to me because she is, you know, your pretty, pretty princess. And I mean, Mia Sarah is gorgeous, but I, I think she gives this really great performance of, of a character who is fairly innocent to the ways of the world. Um, but she's not of like the natural world. She's from, you know, she lives in a castle somewhere. She's part of this other this other world <laughs> mm -hmm. that is more corrupt even than the forest where Jack, the, 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 the boy of the child of the forest lives. And so, and she brings with her, you know, this, this interest in worldly things and luxury. And I mean, that's how she's almost seduced by darkness, right? Right. Yeah. Yep. Jewels <laughs> and all of these, you know, beautiful gown. Um, and she's really manipulative. Mm -hmm. Like you get it like right from the jump. Like <laughs> she, I mean, she's got, she's got Jack wrapped around her little finger and, you know, she's kind of entitled and, and I think it has less to do with, um, with her station in life or her gender identity. I think it has more to do with the fact that she's not of the forest. She's not this kind of untouched, pure person coming you know just like from nature she's she's part of this other world where there's a castle and where there's people and where there's all these worldly things and the jack character is very much like he's of the forest and all he knows is talking to animals and there's just something so <laughs> so delightful and kind of hilarious about seeing young tom cruise pet a fox <laughs> 
Like yeah. hold a little fox in his lap, the pet of fox. Oh, oh, that was the moment. I meant to say this the whole time. That I was like, what moment would this happen? So I think there's a tangerine dream score going on. That's happening. And I you you were you were around the 90s. You remember this. I was like, this is the weirdest pure mood CD commercial I've ever seen. <laughs> so I, oh, you yeah. remember the pure mood CD? Yes. <laughs> Which I think sold a lot of I think they had a lot of tangerine dream music on those, but um that's what I was reminded of. And Enya, a lot of Enya. Um, that kind of stuff, which, oh man, a lot of monks chanting, I think, I don't know, but, but oh, yeah, Gregorian that, chant was big in the nineties. I heard about this. I was a little too young to like, remember it, but that I, I was like, what, like what a random thing that people got into, <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, during that moment with him and the Fox and her and like, they're in the forest and the scores play and I'm like, this is like a weird pure, pure moods commercial, <laughs> but I kind of love it. Um, it's, it's weird. It's, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead, please. <laughs> I was going to say, it's weird to see Tom Cruise this young and kind of acting very much like, you know, just like he's a wide-eyed, innocent young person because he's such like a yeah. movie star now and is, you know, Ethan Hunt and Mission Impossible. And it's like, it's so weird to watch him kind of, I'm not saying he doesn't act anymore, but it's a different performance you'd see him give nowadays. I mean, obviously he's an older man, but it, it sure. was just so strange to you know, an interesting way to watch him perform like this. Cause I feel like he does do this thing very well where like everything is, he's almost like, yeah, like a, he's a boy from the forest. So it's reminds me of like Tarzan or something, you know, like a jungle boy who's ever met people. Yes. And, um, and it's, he's in, it's interesting. I, I think there's a part where he says like, they have to go after Lily. And he says to all his little, one of his companions, like, I can't fight. I don't have any weapons. It's like, we'll get you weapons. Or he's never even used weapons or something. Like, that's how innocent he is. If I'm remembering this right. Um, yes, he's like, I don't fight or use weapons. And they're like, we'll get you some. Like, you know, he's just, he's so innocent. He's like, I don't even know how to use a weapon. So um, it's, it's interesting. It was very like to see Tom Cruise act in this way was very different. So. Right. And you, you'll, ne I mean, you'll never see it again. No. And oh yeah. He's not gonna do this again. <laughs> like, and, and yeah. you know, this is, this is, you know, after Top Gun happens, mm -hmm. his career just takes this completely different direction. And he'll never do a movie like this again. And he'll never be kind of at that place in his life again, where he could be in this like nature boy outfit and like crouched <laughs> <laughs> the entire movie. Right. Showing a lot of leg in that. Uh, a lot thing. of leg. I don't know what he was wearing, but like <laughs> it. Uh, I don't know if you ever played many video games, especially as a kid, like Legend of Zelda. I was eating like uh -huh. the old Legend of Zelda vibes. And I was reading something that I to be trivia that that it, it sounds like complete speculation, but they were like, oh, the Legend of Zelda game may have been influenced by let, you know, this movie. It was like, that sounds like you may just mo wrote that and made that up. But but I mean, there's there's connections. I mean, he was reminding me yeah. of, uh, of Link and Legend of Zelda. But um, no, totally. It's it, Tom Cruise. Like, I feel like so rarely um, he's a guy. I know that he can act, but I feel like nowadays he doesn't. He does kind of the same thing. And I like the Mission Impossible movies a lot. I love them. But it's oh, yeah. like, he doesn't do a lot of vulnerable stuff, I feel like. But it's like if you watch like um, Magnolia, I think oh, he's I great Magnolia. in that because he's like really vulnerable and like doing a great performance, a lot going on. Uh, Vanilla Sky, it's a really weird yeah. movie <laughs> that he's doing some interesting stuff in. Like, but I don't think nowadays, yeah, he doesn't really let himself be, uh, you know, that sensitive or vulnerable it's like he's kind of in like ethan hunt mode all the time so yeah it's it was very fascinating to watch baby tom cruise run around the forest <laughs> so. yeah if you've never seen him like this it's 
it's it's I mean it's surprising. And <laughs> and you know, I, I think some folks would say it's not a very strong performance. I think he gives a serviceable performance. I think it's, you know, his character is, you know, just kind of this very innocent, quiet, um, you know, young man that lives in the forest. He's, he's not a real, it's, it's not a part that really requires Right. Much but, from him. Yeah. That's what I thought about both the performances. I saw people criticizing uh, Tom Cruise and Mia Sara, but I'm like, I, I kind of feel like they were told to do these, to do, you know, it's like they don't have a whole lot of stuff to do. And like they're very innocent characters. And, you know, uh, if you're going to criticize them, I, I feel like they're just doing the parts they were given. I don't, you know, <laughs> I just thought they're right. doing what they're like told. That's, so. that's, that's the part. Yeah. That's the part. I don't know if anyone else would have done much else with it if that, that's what it, how it was written. But, uh, uh, Mia Sarah does get pretty interesting because, like, she gets kind of seduced by, you know, darkness and his. Oh my friend, Alice Castle. I don't know. Uh, oh. <laughs> you sound like you have some thoughts on this. <laughs> oh my god. So, I mean, I think anyone who knows me knows that Dark Lily, that Dark Lily transformation. Like I've been aspiring to that my entire life. I I thought I had a feeling. <laughs> I was like, this is why Carmelia likes this movie so much. It's like I can. Oh my god, it. I love it. The dark, like that dress dancing scene, and then it comes, it gets on her, and then she's wearing yes. it. Yes. I was like, this is so interesting. Another that part where gown, I was like, like yeah, that that gown. I would wear that gown everywhere. <laughs> You're at the I would wear store, that gown like... to the supermarket. I would do it. It's gorgeous and just that whole yes like that whole like ballet of seduction the mm-hmm. dance and then how she's transformed and oh it's just so it's just so good <laughs> another part where and i felt like i was in a dream or something with a yes. dancing i mean there's a woman doing it but it's supposed to be a dancing dress and then it like just goes on to her and she's wearing the dress and it's like you know, it's just one of these little kind of weird touches that I liked. It was very interesting. so creative. And uh, um, I was thinking so many things. I was thinking like this would have been CGI if it was now like that dress yeah. would have been CGI. Tim Curry's darkness would have been like probably all CGI. Like mm-hmm. um, and these things have so much more impact when they actually, you know, did them and make them. So, yeah, it's it it just and it ages so well. Yeah. I mean, even it, after all this time the impact of that scene and how artfully it's costumed and constructed. And I mean, it, it just, it continues to evoke the same emotion because I don't have to be distracted by graphics that didn't age well. Right. Right. (laughs) Like it's just, it's, it's a stunning scene. I think it's also really like a, a really cool visual way of showing what's going on with the characters that she's in danger of going over to the dark side fully. Like that, that's, that's like a possibility, right? Mm -hmm. She could go that way if she lets herself give in to, to all of the, all of the luxuries that <laughs> the Lord of Darkness is offering her. Mm-hmm. 
and it's, yeah, it's just a really cool visual way to show that internal struggle. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, it was very interesting. I did not, I, at first I was like, what's going on? Who's dancing? <laughs> but then, then I got it when they, when they got, you know, they showed it, but, uh, uh, it, it's, yeah, there's so many moments and images where, you know, it's some, you look up, if you look away for a second, you look back and you're like, oh, what's going on now? It's, it's so, it's so interesting where the choices they make, and I just couldn't get over again. I said this multiple times, but like how good the movie looks like, People could have complaints about the story, or whatever. But I just think if you watch the movie from like a, a technical standpoint, you'll be impressed. You know, it's I just think if someone hasn't seen it, just watch it for how good it looks and like how good the score is. And that stuff should, I think, blow you away, I would imagine. I mean, it it does for me. Uh, that, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> that, that part of this, I mean... Anytime, like when I went to, when I first got a letterbox account and I went to add this on there, I, I really agonized over like, how would I rate this? Like, honestly, because visually there's very few films that achieve what this does, like just the world building and how gorgeous it looks. Like it's, it, it still blows my fucking mind <laughs> how yeah. gorgeous this movie is and and just the just the mood that it it creates um but yeah there's i mean there's trouble with the story <laughs> yeah I, like i said I, I couldn't probably walk someone through the story uh like in a in a coherent way but uh it, when it was over i didn't I, it wasn't i wasn't like angry about you know, the story not making total sense. I just walked away and said, oh my God, what a beautiful movie. Like, you know, that was, what an experience. I felt like I almost had dreamed it or something. You know, it was like, yeah, it's, it's so, it, yeah, visually arresting, I think is the term. Like that I would tell people to watch it just for how good it looks. I mean, I know, I know you're saying there's other stuff there and I want to go back and watch it again uh, to get more out of it from that perspective. But just from the first watch, I was super impressed and blown away by just all the technical stuff. And it's fun. When I read about how many problems they had uh, making the movie, I was even more impressed. <laughs> I was like, I can't wait. They pulled this off. Cause it sounds like it was a nightmare to uh, make it through the shoot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just with all the trouble they had in production, what, what they were able to achieve. I, I mean, I think it's pretty incredible. Right. Personally. Yeah. I mean, when and, they say like, and, oh, sorry. <laughs> no. And just like with a different director with, with a different, um, art department and cinematographer, it, it, you know, we would not get a finished product like this. Right. That's with yeah. all of those problems. <laughs> like, like you would expect this thing to really not work. And, and you just had this, dream team that even with all of the behind the scenes trouble that they ran into in making this movie, you end up with something this gorgeous. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing. I, I was going to say, like, I, I know I'm quoting somebody when they say like every movie made is like a miracle. And this really feels like one that it came out as good as it does, as it did, because, uh, they went through a real tough time. It sounds like I was going to mention this. Speaking of tough times, did you read about all the stuff that Tim Curry dealt with, with the prosthetics and the makeup? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That poor man. <laughs> it's like, they said he, you know, he's in makeup for, I think 
grueling. Five hours, five hours or something a day. And then he, yes. every night had to get in like a bath and like scrub all the, uh, oh God, the gum, some kind of gum. Like, uh, you know, it's not actual chewing gum, but it's like some kind of costuming gum off his like body. Gum. That's it. Yes. Yeah. I, he had to scrub that all off for like an hour each night in a tub. <laughs> and uh, at one point, I think pulled some of his skin off when, when he was trying to yeah. get off. And um, really, Scott, everyone felt bad the for contacts. him. Oh yeah, the content. I mean, Jesus, the there's so much that he's got going on. The horns were super heavy at first. They had to lighten up the horns, like uh, yeah, with that uh, huge headdress and with that with all the prosthetics on on the torso and the the elongated chin. With all of that, it made his his eyes really teeny looking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they needed to put in these. They he needed to wear these contacts, which would kind of open the eyes up and then also have the the slit of a pupil rather than a rounded pupil so yeah oh. you can imagine like you're already wearing all this crazy getup and all this makeup and then you've also got to wear these really uncomfortable contacts and <laughs> but I, I mean i mean i it's not me in the suit i but i personally i think it was worth it because <laughs> it, it yeah. means this infinitely memorable character yeah i mean he should be proud of the work he did like god bless you tim curry for this it's like you he suffered for the art right truly <laughs> so he's a, um, he's a star of the whole show and and there, yeah there's a lot of um i mean even just the goblins like blix blix looks incredible that's it's the little like okay like the oh. little head henchman <laughs> Yes. Okay. Okay. I was like, talk my memory because I'm the side characters are the ones that are like kind of running together. Uh, a little fuzzy for you. A little fuzzy. <laughs> like I'm still trying to digest the whole movie, and I'm like, yeah, there's a Blix lot of. This is the one with is the goblin with the uh, green skin and the really kind of high pitched voice, and is the one that that speaks in rhyme. Yes. Okay. Yep. <laughs> that makeup looks great. Okay. How did you feel about the rhyming? I'm always curious about how people feel about the rhyming. It didn't really bother me. I mean, it definitely didn't stick out where I'm like, oh, the rhyming's so annoying. But um, yeah, I, I didn't really even give it a second thought, honestly. <laughs> nice. I'm glad because that's one thing I'm always like, I think that's going to turn some people off the rhyming. I don't, know if, <laughs> I don't know if everybody can can like can deal. No, I think I was I'm glad in. that that I'm glad that <laughs> didn't put you off. I think I was so in at that point that it was it was OK. Um yeah, I, I'm trying to think. Uh, it's funny because this movie, you know, I always thought of it as like a kid's fantasy movie. And I guess it te- it's PG, so I guess it technically is. But it's so dark. <laughs> like it's so, yes. There's parts of it that are so dark. Um, it starts off like with, I feel like, some demons like chopping up a body in like yes. a hellscape or, you know, like and then Hell's darkness. Is- it's, it's like this Hell's <laughs> Kitchen scene. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, my God, this would have really this sort of really messed me up. Not, besides even the Tim Curry stuff, um, just like that's such a dark image for a children. I mean, I, yeah, I read apparently really Scott almost envisioned this early, early on as like a hard R like horror fantasy thing with like blood and gore and all kinds of stuff. And then backed away from that pretty quickly. But um, it still feels like remnants of that are kind of like in the movie, because I, I do kind of miss, though. Because there was a lot of kids movies would give us uh, some darkness and some stuff to be scared of. But I feel like now a lot of things are very they kind of get all that out of there. But 
um you know labyrinth had some stuff like that um uh there's a lot of things return to oz oh i see i have not actually seen return to oz but i've seen images i've seen images and i'm like yeah this is scary like i don't even need to see see it happening um i heard pure nightmare fuels when i heard about that movie i love it i love it but when you know that is that is one of the things that i i like about this movie in particular that that it's kind of a dark fantasy and and what i think what's funny is like when we talk about fairy tales like if you go back and you actually read the brothers grim oh and you actually read (laughs) Hans Christian Andersen, and you actually read old folk, even the even older versions of those original folk tales and fairy tales. It's dark. Yeah. People, yeah. people die and get tortured and like, <laughs> like kids are orphaned and eaten and there's all kinds of stuff that happens. <laughs> those are, those are not like fluffy, safe stories. Right. Yeah. It's crazy, yeah. And then, like, uh, they don't shy away from this movie. There's some pretty, like, it's you, a kid could watch it, but there'd be some stuff that probably freaked them out. I know it would have had some nightmares. I love I'd... it. I love <laughs> it. Now, I don't have kids, so that's easy for me to say <laughs> that it's fine. But, I mean, I just, I I do love, yeah, I love that it it really does give the feel of of those old fairy tales. Mm-hmm like the for real versions. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate it. I, I just, it, it took me back to a time when they, they weren't scared to put, you know, scary, dark stuff and what could be considered a kid's movie. You know, it's like, they just don't do that as much anymore. So uh, I appreciated that. I'm trying to think what else I, I didn't have a whole lot of other notes, but I, I feel like, you know, this was your episode. I let you drive. So I feel like I don't want to cut you off. <laughs> I don't want to cut you off too soon. Um, I handed the keys over and just said, go for it, which I'm so glad that we did this because, um, you know, I could tell how much you love this movie. And I, I'm glad you got me to watch it because, like I said, I've been on my, you know, it's a Ridley Scott movie. It's been on my list forever. I just hadn't watched it. Um, and I, I did really like it. So, um, yeah. Do you have anything else? Because I know we want to talk about some Ridley Scott favorites, but do you have anything else before we do that? <laughs> Uh, you know, I would, first of all, <laughs> I thank you for taking a chance on watching Legend, agreeing to come on here and talk about it before you'd even watched it. It's brave. You're welcome. You, ne- yeah, you, no, know, <laughs> you never know. Like, you could have watched the movie and been super bummed. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> if you hadn't enjoyed it, and then we're going to have to talk about it especially with someone like myself who is mildly obsessed with it. So first of all, I thank you. (laughs) Secondly, I would, I would say, you know, this is a movie that I, I'm just able to come back to over and over and over again. And, and I, and I think with subsequent watches, it's like you pick up all these little details and it really is like just like this like it's like a security blanket almost and and so i hope that film feast listeners who haven't maybe seen it in a while will maybe pick it up again give it a rewatch take take a little vacation from life <laughs> and go to this beautiful world that ridley scott constructed for you to escape to it's just it's a good time 
very well said. And no, I, I was happy to let you come on here and uh, talk about this. I feel like, yeah, you know, I love hearing people talk movies that they're passionate about and that they love. Um, so, yeah, I think people should definitely watch it. I took a chance on it, really liked it. Uh, I suggest maybe watching it late at night. Maybe you take something that you might <laughs> ever have. <laughs> I'm just saying, whatever you want to do to enhance the mood, I feel like it's going to be great. Uh, go for like, it. Go for it. Go nuts. Um, it is. It's a very moody it it really is like a it's very much a mood it's it is i thought that i was like this is a mood piece this is a uh, it's all about like the vibe of it like i you know i got that very quickly like i was sucked in like within i think the first five to ten minutes i was like on board and it was so like when it was over it was almost like i came out of a spell or something i was like what it's over yes. what it's like it's done <laughs> like um yeah, I just, I, you know, it's so, it's so different than anything you will see coming out in 2021 too. It's like, it's like, it's refreshing in a way. Um, that's just, it's different. And, you know, I just, I, yeah, it's, it's good. I liked it. Uh, so I'm glad that, uh, I didn't have to come on here and say, I hate this movie because I was worried about that. <laughs> I was like, oh God, what if I hate it? It's going to be so awkward, but, um, I mean, no, it would, it wouldn't have been. <laughs> this is a, this is a safe space, my friend. You absolutely could have brought that to the table if that were the truth. Okay, fair enough. I <laughs> I am telling you the truth, though. I really liked it. It would not it would not have hurt my feelings. Okay. Truly, I have movies it like make, that. It makes me so happy that, <laughs> that you did enjoy it because <laughs> because I enjoy it, and so, you know you you hope that when you recommend something to somebody that you're not like steering them into a ditch you know <laughs> yeah that's i i hate doing it to people I'm, I'm always bummed but like there are movies that i really like that when i show them to people there are movies i have that i think are gonna be home runs like with people like uh I, when i gave anthony sing street to watch a few like a mm. while back i was like he's gonna like sing street. everybody likes sing street it's a wonderful movie but like some movies are weirder and you might think okay if someone doesn't like this i can understand even if you love it right um so i get that but no i i, I liked it i put it on and i it starts with a <laughs> it's funny because before it even started i will tell you this i said i was sitting there waiting for it to start and i was like i bet this is gonna start with a crawl like <laughs> Like a like a narration <laughs> or a crawl about like in a long go far land, and I was like, there it is. But, there it but is. after that, we were on. It was fine. It was. I just thought it was funny. I was like, I know it's gonna start with some kind of opening <laughs> thing to set it up, and it did. But uh, <laughs> but then I was. It was fine after that. It was good. So um, yeah, it was. It was. It was delightful. I will let you know what I think of the uh, director's cut whenever I see that because I am curious. But um, yeah, please do. It's. <laughs> It's interesting. It's, it's, you know, it's just little things really. Mm -hmm. And it's what I think I, I am not sure when I first saw the director's cut years, years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and sometimes you'll run into folks who don't realize they've seen the director's cut. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> and so there's like confusion because they're they're in there's enough, you know, there really isn't that much more that's added. Like you said, it's only like 15, 20 minutes or something. Um, it's not that much longer. It's and it's and it's not like huge whole chunks of scenes. It's these little things here and there, riddles and songs and that sort of thing. The biggest difference is the ending and the score. 
So it can get easy for people to get like mixed up. Like, wait, wasn't there, wasn't there a riddle? Do I remember a riddle? <laughs> and it's no, it's in the other version. So it's, so, but it's, it is interesting to compare them. It's interesting to see how, I think this movie is a, is a great example of how much a score mm -hmm. changes the tone and the vibe of a movie. It's a very like good if point. you've ever yeah. wondered like how important is the score, this movie is a great example of how important the score is because I really do feel like even though they're both gorgeous pieces of music composed by very talented musicians, masters at what they do, they're both doing something very different and it does give the movie a different feel just because of the music. That's a very good point. I wish I had another example like at the top of my head, but I can't think of one. But I know it's happened multiple times where this, this score yeah. just changes the whole vibe of the whole thing. So, yeah, you're 100% right. So whenever I watch that, I will let you know. I, I might buy that $10 Blu-ray on eBay. Or I, I don't know if I can pull yeah. the trigger on the Arrow one. but You I probably like, don't need the, the $50. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I love as much as you do, so I probably don't need that one. But it looks very nice. I am excited that... You're a fan. You're such a fan of that movie, and you get a nice arrow package like that. So, oh my god, I hit, I hit buy now like so fast. <laughs> it was. Like, <laughs> I didn't even look to see what was in it. That's like, it was. I don't know. There's, there's certain movies that I get a little, I go a little crazy. I listen. I get it. I just did a whole episode on Last Action Heroes. So I mean. <laughs> I bought that movie on like every format known to man. I own merchandise from it. I'm cuckoo for that movie. But again, a movie that I is a comfort movie, but I realize has flaws, but I, I don't care. Like that's a movie that like I probably shouldn't give five stars to on Letterboxd, but I will all day long. But Who cares? Um, I know it's as I was saying, if you love a movie, all like a whole lot, it means a lot to you. Just give it five stars. Don't even who cares if it has flaws to you. To you, it's perfect. It's fine. So <laughs> I say just just go for it. Um so I, I get it. I get it. I, I, uh, I will, I, I'm curious about this director's guy. I'm going to go check it out. So, um, now if, if nothing else on legend, I did want to wrap up, uh, and I told you about this beforehand that I wanted, this is tough to pick our top three Ridley Scott movies. Oh yeah. He's made a lot of movies <laughs> and He's in made like, a lot of movies in like every genre known to man. Like, I don't mm -hmm. think there's a genre he hasn't tackled, which is crazy. Like you, I look, his filmography and i'm like oh yeah he did that he did that he did that. <laughs> like um crazy career um so uh so i asked you this very tough question about your top three ridley scott movies um i think i know at least maybe i know one for sure i might know two but i'm very curious you could probably guess i'm, I'm sure you could guess all three i'm actually i'm so <laughs> predictable on this like okay it's I, kind of hilarious well, <laughs> really <laughs> i'm pretty predictable on my top two beyond that it was i'll just say it was really tough but do you want to read your top three <laughs> from three to one <laughs> you want me to go from three to one? Oh uh, yeah sure i think count it down count it down <laughs> so legend is three okay blade runner is two uh-huh <laughs> alien is number one i would have got that a hundred percent right yeah yeah <laughs> damn i should have betted on that honestly <laughs> um yep i'm i'm so predictable it's like ridiculous 
I love Ridley Scott. And for me, my Ridley Scott, the Ridley Scott movies that really do it for me is when he's building other worlds, mm -hmm. whether it's outer space or a dystopian future or a fantasy realm um, or a couple of honorable mentions mm -hmm. that would that would make up if we were doing five. Okay. <laughs> Gladiator and Kingdom of Heaven. Okay. Okay. I his his yeah. historical stuff where it's like it's it's otherworldly in that it's this distant past that we, you know, can only try to imagine what it was like to live there. Like anytime really Scott is dealing with a genre that affords him the opportunity to world build and show us these places we've never been and never experienced and can only imagine like that's my Ridley Scott. I just, I just love his command of world building. I, I would agree with you on that. I, I agree. Um, it's funny you bring up kingdom of heaven because that's a movie that I know I saw in a theater and I think I hated it, but then I heard, this is a case where I think I heard the director's cut, uh, really helps the movie. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought it. it was like really boring in the theater and was like, did not like it. But then years later, everyone's like, oh, there's a really good director's cut of Kingdom of Heaven. Um, so now I guess I have to watch that someday. <laughs> so um, I recommend it. It's okay. re I, I really love it. Okay. I, uh, man, this is tough because I, uh, my top three, I was looking, my top two were locked, like from the get go, my top two were locked. But number three was like, I had no idea because I was looking through all his movies and I really, really like Ridley Scott. I I think it's no surprise. I'm more of a Tony Scott guy. I'm doing a whole series on Tony Scott's movie. <laughs> you are. You um, are. I think Tony Scott is more like, if you charted their careers, Tony Scott, I think, might be more consistent. Hear me out. In terms of, like, the stuff he was making. You know, he worked in different kind of genres, but there was a lot of action sure. stuff. Um, but I feel like maybe, I shouldn't say maybe. I, I really Scott's highs got higher than Tony's but I think Tony has like the more to me the more consistent career and I enjoy more of his movies overall like there's stuff in really Scott's filmography that I just don't care for that much or sure so okay so I almost feel like embarrassed at my number three but I, this could change tomorrow don't be embarrassed uh I really like The Martian <laughs> it was good okay I, <laughs> I I was like and that could change I like that, it it was tough. It was very tough because I was like, I don't know. Um, and my number two, like you, is Blade Runner. And my number one, like you, is Alien. <laughs> nice. Very predictable people. But <laughs> it's like, how can you... Those two highs are... You know, if someone made one of those movies, it's amazing. They made both those movies. <laughs> like, it's crazy that he made both those movies. Um, two pivotal of the best, films. Pivotal. I mean, game changers. Like... Just crazy that he made both those movies. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's so I, it's hard to say those aren't the top two. You know what I mean? Like um, I'd hear somebody out if they thought something else. But um, I mean, I like The Martian a lot. I haven't seen it forever, but I liked American Gangster a lot. I thought that was really good. Uh -huh. um, looking back through his movies now. I did see Glad. I saw Gladiator for the first time last year, believe it or not. <laughs> and, what did uh, you think? I'm curious. I liked it. But I didn't love it. Like, I think a lot of people love it. And I just thought it was like, it's good. But it's like it didn't like blow me away or anything. You know, it just I just thought it was a solid movie. 
but I, I just didn't love it. Um, I like Black Rain a lot. I don't think anyone likes Black Rain that much, but I like Black Rain. Uh, Legend would go up pretty high at this point. Um, I mean, yeah. And then there's some big ones I haven't seen, though. I have not seen Thelma and Louise. And it was probably shocking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, now. (laughs) uh, Not a big fan of Thelma and Louise. Okay. It's just not not my thing. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people that love that movie. And that's awesome for them. It's just not, it's just not my thing. I understand. Yeah, I've never seen it, but I, you know, and it's so he's, I mean, I'm looking at his filmography and it's like every movie is like just different from one another. You know, you, yeah. it's <laughs> like, how does the same guy make Alien, Thelma and Louise, uh, Black Hawk Down? <laughs> uh, I forgot about A Good Year with Russell Crowe, which was like a nice like yeah. drama romance, a Robin Hood movie. <laughs> like, um and I, I'm warming up. I'm warming up on Prometheus and Alien Covenant, um, both of them. Movies I was kind of like disappointed in leaving the theater, mm. but I've warmed mm-hmm. up on both of them. Um, so, you know, it, crazy career, like a lot of achievements, but um, I don't think he ever has topped Alien and Blade Runner. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Do you have a preference on Blade Runner cuts? I'm curious about this from a different cuts for the Scott movie. Oh, you know, I'm when it comes to Blade Runner, I'm not real picky. OK, fair enough. Yeah, I do. I do really enjoy the final cut. I do, too. I'm a fi- I think I'm a final cut person. I I don't I think I know I saw the original cut when I was younger. Uh-huh. and. I liked it, but then I saw the final cut and I was like, well, this is better. <laughs> it's like, this yeah, is, I, yeah. I think going forward, that's going to be my cut of preference, but I'm, I'm not turning Blade Runner off. I don't care which version. you put on. <laughs> I know just such a, a, again, a beautiful looking movie like legend, a movie that just is like, you're in all of like how they made it. Um, but yeah, I'm glad we both agree on alien. I think some people would, I could see a lot of people flipping Blade Runner and alien. You know what I mean? Like for the one and two spot, but definitely, but something about alien just goes down smoother for me. I don't know what it is, but when, and you know, I think when I was, when I was writing up my notes, committing this top three to paper, (laughs) it, it struck me as it is kind of interesting that I've got legend and blade runner on here both of which there are so many versions (laughs) (laughs) and you know and and so you can have these discussions of well which version is better and which one is more true to his vision and and you know you can debate that all day long and you know i i could see some folks being like can you really like have a favorite when there's just that many different versions of it. And mm-hmm. in my case, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I get where people are coming from. If, if they, f- they feel a little put out by the fact that there's so many different versions and, and trying to figure out what's, what's the most authentic or how is the story best served? Mm-hmm. Or I, I, I can see that being, something that that kind of puts folks off or or complicates things alien it's just and maybe it's just the nature of the story 
how how very simple it is. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, it's simplicity. <laughs> there's a beauty in that simplicity, but there's all this stuff going on as we yes. find out years later with the world building. There's so much more going on. But at the first one, it's like it's very simple. And I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's 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 yeah, the simplicity, but it's so effective. Mm -hmm. In, you know, building this world and and showing us this cast of characters who are are trying to survive this. (laughs) This just unimaginable threat like. It's I mean, it's just it's a perfect film as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, it's a. Uh, it's funny because I used to think, well, I still do. I like, I, we talk about this. I like aliens more than alien, but I used to think that, uh, you know, I, I don't know I, if I had to rate alien, I'd been like eight or nine out of 10. And now I'm like, what the fuck was I doing? It's a 10 out of 10 movie. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm like, no, there's no, to me, they're both like, that's the thing with Blade Runner and alien. It's like, I'm talking about two to me, like 10 out of 10 movies. Like there's, it's like picking your favorite piece of gold or so you know it's like, like right it's it, there's no loss here you know it's like whatever one you put ahead of the other one it's like a personal preference but um so yeah for aliens and alien i was like well aliens is definitely better and i'm like now i just think they're both different they're doing they're approaching the story different ways uh right. and i love both of them and alien is like a masterpiece like you know i will not argue that so i'm i'm with you yeah, i think it's a perfect movie now so when i was younger i think it I didn't have as much patience, I think. And it's not even, it's not even like mm. it's boring or slow, but it's still, it's slower than aliens, I think for sure. But, um, and there's less action overall, but, sure. Um, but yeah, no, I, they're, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's, it's an amazing movie that like total, total game changer. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, can't argue. I'm glad we're on the same page on, on this movie. <laughs> so, oh yeah, no, I just, I love when Ridley Scott, is 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 dealing with genres where he can he can build worlds and mm-hmm. and just his aesthetic choices and and you know one thing that all of those mood you know, our our top three have in common is is again like mood and vibe like he's just so good at like building this this ambient thing yeah yeah that's between, a good way to put it <laughs> you know between the way that the world looks and light and shadow and all the little details. It's just, he really builds a world that you want to, that you want to live in or visit or get to know better. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's where he really shines for me. And, um, I just watched black Hawk down the whole way through it was my first time watching it the whole way through i had seen bits and pieces over the years i don't think i've seen it the whole way through either actually i think i've only seen bits and pieces because it's it's a hard watch i feel like it's <laughs> yeah and it's, it's tough to watch yeah you know it's it's a it's a movie that like technically speaking mm-hmm. like all like the technical aspects like you can see his 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 mastery of the craft all over it the story is is you know, is one that isn't for everybody. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and I'm not going to get in, I'm not going to get into it, but <laughs> you know, but technically there, there's no question that the man knows what he's doing and he's able to achieve something visually. Mm-hmm. That's just so incredible. 
but I think like something like Black Hawk Down, like it's a little too real. <laughs> like it's a little Yeah, that's like, that's how I felt. I'm like, I don't really wanna that's a movie I think I'd watch once and never want to see again, you know. It just right. feels too too real. It's too uh it's just too much. I think I I'm not a big fan of like military stories anyway. Um, you know, and things based on true stories. I'm like, I watch movies to like escape and so you know, it can be interesting, but it's just not it's never gonna be my favorite movie is something like you know what i mean so um, right like i can appreciate it but i'm not going to probably go back to it or you know love it you know it's like i love black hawk Town. <laughs> i mean you could i'm not gonna knock anybody who does but i just think yeah i mean i'm sure there's people that do but i just think it's a tough i couldn't imagine being like i'm gonna pop it on for a casual re you know rewatch like or for something. fun yeah right. i don't know not for like, me anyway legend i get popping on like for comfort but you know stuff, stuff like that I'm yeah like, I get it so um no i mean he's just I, I almost said like we should look back on his career when he when he we should look back on his career now, not when he passes away. But I'm sure when he dies, there will be retrospectives, and everyone's gonna go, "Oh my God, look at this guy's career! He made movies in all these genres." Like, yes, it's like he's been, like yeah, he's it's amazing. a roller coaster ride. It's crazy. If you gave me to list the movies i've been like the same guy didn't direct all these if i didn't know any better uh it's like nope same guy to all these movies absolutely <laughs> like, dead crazy um so what a career i i, I do love really scott i you know what a great filmmaker and i i applaud him for trying like every you know he he was never scared to try anything it seems like it seems like he wants to work in every genre so no i totally appreciate that too most people tend to stick to one thing and kind of find their thing and be good at it. He's like, well, I'll try this real life military story or this, this two women on the run or this, you know, or this like story about Christopher Columbus and, or, you know, it's like, he's all over the place. So, um, yeah. that's pretty brave. Cause it's, if you go out of your box, then sometimes people are like, it, it doesn't go well. So yeah, um, it's a gamble. It's a gamble. And and yeah, that's definitely one of the things I appreciate about really Scott is that he take, he takes risks, creative risks. Mm -hmm. And I have to respect that. Yeah. Cause that's what creativity is about, right? Exactly. Like it's inherently <laughs> risky mm -hmm. to create things and not know <laughs> what, what's going to come of it and what the reaction is going to be. That's yes. A very good point. <laughs> so yeah, no, he's, he's great. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I finally watched legend. Um, any, anything else you want to say on legend or Ridley Scott before we wrap up here? Uh, I mean, <laughs> really like I could gush for like another hour. <laughs> listeners do not want that. So <laughs> I will just say, take a little vacation, <laughs> put on legend and and just like retreat to a fantasy world it's you need it i think we all need it sometimes and yeah. and and legend is like the perfect place to vacation in your own living room <laughs> i agree as someone who just did that vacation uh and some and for someone who doesn't like i said like fantasy movies that much i really liked it so i you know vouch for it too now so you've got both of us here like pushing for if you haven't seen it or i imagine people who maybe did watch it maybe have not watched it in a long time um and i think it's dark enough that if anyone thought it was a kid's movie i don't think it's a kid's movie you know what i mean it's a, it doesn't feel like it's for children necessarily so um, right it still works i think uh so yeah thank you again for this working out that you kind of brought me legend and i really liked it <laughs> so hooray <laughs> i'm glad you got to talk about it. i'm glad you were here i was you know i'm glad you got to talk about this and uh <laughs> 
it was fun. <laughs> so Me too. I, I, I think if I, you know, when I sat down and started the podcast, I don't think I would have penciled in at some point talking about legend, honestly. But now that we've done it, I'm really glad we did. So that was a good conversation. So thank you. You were, you're the best, Carmelita. Thank you. You're a great. Oh, <laughs> I think you're the best. <laughs> thank just... you again for having me on. Thank you for taking a chance on legend. It was brave. <laughs> I'm glad that the gamble paid off and that we got to talk about it because, yeah. you know, it's, I, <laughs> I enjoy talking movies with you and especially something interesting like this. That's yes. I love talking movies with you too. And it's funny. I was thinking about this today because we joked last time about on seven that we were like, we should do something lighter next time. And we kind of got lighter. <laughs> kind of. But then we had a movie with a guy named Darkness. And we said, we like, we got to do yeah. movies that aren't as dark. And then we did one, literally a man, a character named Darkness. So that was really funny. <laughs> um, it's like, we should get lighter next time. No, no, no. Um, we're, we're pushing there. I think next time, maybe come around. Um, <laughs> No, no, it's that fine. Balance, I love it. Reaching that balance reaching between that the light and the dark. Really, really important. <laughs> um, I can't remember. We said something earlier where I was like, I'm supposed to think about something to talk about. I've already forgotten. What did we talk about? Oh, what was it? Oh, a Paul Verhoeven movie. Yes. Okay. I'll think of something. Yeah. I'm up for it. <laughs> I'm up for any of those movies. Of his like American run, especially that like, I think it's only six movies, but like, I was looking at all of them and I'm like, I like all six of these movies he made in America. <laughs> so um, I will, uh, I will think about it. That, that could be our next Do thing. It. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, well, okay. Well, this was a lot of fun. So, but I will let you tell people where they can follow you if they want to hear more of your thoughts about movies or uh, anything you want to talk about. <laughs> awesome. So film feast listeners can find me on Twitter and at letterboxd same handle for both at Carmelita says. Okay, fantastic. And everyone should be following Carmelita. If they're not already, I can't, if they listen to the show before and they haven't followed you, I don't know what they're doing. So <laughs> just get on it. Eh, it's there. <laughs> it's there. Um, and like we talked, I think this is off mic. You're a very like non-controversial Twitter follower. You're not going to be tweeting hot takes at people all day long. <laughs> very, very rare. You don't very wade rare. into that discourse no. i think that's gonna it's like a, you're you're doing the smart thing um so okay well i will say for our stuff um uh, if you never listened to this show before you i would uh, love you to describe to uh, subscribe to this podcast rate and review us in the apple store uh i feel like i don't say that enough on this show but i guess that's important um you can follow the podcast on twitter at film feast pod um you can follow me on twitter at maplet 87 and you can follow me and the podcast on instagram at film feast all one word um, and that's it for this week, guys. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Carmelita, again for being on. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs>